on there. We've been going through on Sunday nights, and the last time we were together, we did, um, in here, we did the book of Proverbs, and now we're to the book of Hosea. Next Sunday I'll have, if you didn't get all the handouts from um, Ecclesiastes through Daniel last week, I'll have all those available with all the answers already filled in, so you can keep up on all your stuff if you need that, and that will be available next week to you. Let's go to Hosea chapter number 1, Hosea chapter number 1, we're going to begin reading in chapter 1 and verse number 1 is where we're going to be. It says, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Buri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredoms departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, something close to that, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel, and she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God called, and God said unto him, Call her name Loruhamah. That's good enough there. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now she had weaned Lorumah, she conceived and bare a son, and then said God, call his name Lomi, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. And yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Chapter 2, verse number 1. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami and your sister Rumah, plead with your mother, plead, yea, for she, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. There therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and let her adulteries from between her breasts, let, lest I strip her naked and set her as the day that she was born, make her as wilderness and set her as a dry land and slay her with thirst. And we keep on reading through here. Go down to verse number... Go down to verse number 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards. And what well, we see God going through here in the gist, I'm just going to break it down instead of reading through all of here. I thought about reading in, all the way into chapter number 3. But I think that you can turn to chapter 3. And we'll finish up there. And then I'll give you some thoughts here. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friends, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who took other gods and loved flagons of wine. 
So I brought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and a half omer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide with me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I be also for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without um, teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. The gist of it all, what a book. Now, sometimes we look at it and we see how God, God's view and how basically Israel was playing the harlot, playing the whore with God, going after other gods. But the other side of this also is Look at what Hosea had to live through to be an example of what that was. And we read this passage of Scripture, and there's a lot of things here. The book of Hosea is a story of a heartfelt message from a prophet who was heartsick. And it's about a heartbroken God and what his children had done to him. Hosea is a love story. It's kind of a strange, tumultuous, tumultuous love story. As the old saying goes, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. You get that one? Some of you get that there? Love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener? Yeah, that's a good one, huh? Man, we gotta, you got to get better at liking my jokes. I liked it better when no one was in here. At least when no one laughed, it was because no one was in here. Now you're back, and there was no laughing there. I'm sure Russ laughed. No, he's probably asleep. Never mind. And uh, Johnny, you got some friends here tonight, don't you? Are, now, are these really your friends, or did he pay you to say that, they, that you are his friends? So why don't you introduce your friends? Dylan and, and Noah. Good. We're glad you're here. Where do you guys live? Coachella Valley. Yeah, way out there. My, um, my brother's the city manager of your city there, and so he's, he's high up in the city. So if you don't like city politics, it's not my brother's fault. It probably is his fault. And uh, so that's good. Thanks for coming tonight. Glad to have you. And uh, that's a good thing. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll dive in a little deeper to the book of Hosea tonight. Father in heaven, we come to you this evening and we need you tonight. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being the God that you are. We thank you for this passage of scripture. I pray tonight that you'd help us get something from it and grow from it. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as we go through a book, to do it in 30 minutes compared to... The book of Haggai, I split that up into six or seven messages, and that was two chapters. This is 14 chapters. You really can't do it. So I'm going to give you a summary as we go through, and technically the video gave you most of the summary that I could give you anyways, but that's all right. And so as you're following along in your outline there, and if you write some notes in there, we see there are two main characters in the book. You have Hosea and Gomer, and they represent God and Israel. They represent that um, the relationship between God and Israel. And we think about the who, the guy who's penned these words, Hosea. He was a prophet of God. He's the first of the 12 minor prophets. And not minor because his words don't matter as much, but minor because they're smaller than the other prophets. And so it's interesting to note that with the book of Hosea, it's the longest one of the minor prophets, 14 chapters, and it's one of the oldest. It was written... Um, around 790 B.C. and covered about 70 years. And this minor prophet focused mainly on the northern kingdom. 
And so that leads us to the where. So the, we see the who's Hosea. The what is the first of the 12 minor prophets. The where was Israel. Remember we talked this morning how, remember under Solomon, his son Rehoboam, and then the kingdom split from Rehoboam. Rehoboam took Judah, which was the southern two kingdoms. Then you had Israel, the ten northern kingdoms, and Jeroboam was king there. And so this was prophesied for the northern kingdoms and for Israel. And you really think about it, they didn't have many great kings. There was not a lot of good things that came out of the northern kingdom, out of Israel. And we see that God is talking here. And this is before they had been conquered and long before the southern kingdom had fallen. And God was reaching out to his people and he was prophesying to the people of Israel using the picture of an adulterous marriage to show Israel what they had done to him and where it was for him. This book, the book of Hosea, is a book of rebellion and a book of redemption. Really, it's a microcosm of the Bible. The Bible opens up with the rebellion of man. And then we see God going through and God working redemption for mankind. And we find this in this small book. And as we look at this, and that's how our lives are. We start out in rebellion away from God. But because of what Jesus Christ did and how he died on the cross for us and what he has accomplished for us, we could be redeemed and we have redemption through Jesus Christ. And so the book of Hosea not only was, a pro was prophecy for them to see a picture of what their relationship with God was like, but it also shows us our relationship with God and where it's come to. And so as we look at this tonight, the outline is pretty simple. Two points to the outline. Not very difficult to figure out here. Number one is it's per the personal part of the outline. It goes through and we see the personal life of Hosea and we see a lot of things unfold in his life. That would be chapters 1 through chapter number 3. Chapter 1 through chapter number 3. And then you have from chapter 4 through chapter 14, you have the prophetic side of it. And that's how you would break up the book. And what we see is all of these things. It's amazing you look at those verses that we read, and God says, he says, they are not my people. In chapter number 1, we read that. Yet the number, and verse number 10 there, yet the number of the children of Israel, chapter 1, shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. So do you see the mercy and the grace of God displayed? The same place where he says, you're not my children. It's the same place where it's said that they are his children. That's pretty powerful to think about when you stop to think about it. We see redemption in the midst of rebellion right here. Hope in the midst of judgment. And with the Lord, there's always hope. And may I just remind you tonight, that's what our world needs to hear today. What our country needs today, they need Jesus Christ. They need the hope of the gospel. They need Jesus today. We look around and we see all this craziness around us these past couple months. We look at this week, the craziness and these curfews tonight in all these different cities. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. He is the only hope. And I love how in the midst of this passage of Scripture, here at the beginning, you see the re we see these things come together. There's redemption right after rebellion. And in the midst of judgment, there's still hope. And with the Lord, there's always hope. And don't ever give up. 
Chapter 2, we see that he describes Israel as a wife that's entered into, adult, into an adulterous relationship, leaving her husband God, and that's exactly what Gomer did to Hosea. And when you look at it and you think about chapter 3 that I read there for you a minute ago, do you notice when's the last, how long has it been since Israel's had a king? About 2,500 years? Somewhere around there? Who was the last king of Israel? Anybody know? Any of you college boys right there know who the last king of Israel was? Wow. Bible colleges need to do a better job. I was hoping you knew so I didn't have to show that I didn't know. No, I'm just kidding. He was taken into Babylon, right? Yeah. Good job. He's, he was trained here, so I would hope that he would know that answer there. And, but 25, do you realize it's been 2,500 years since Israel's had a king? And did you read what we read there in chapter number 3? At the end there it says, verse 5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter end. They rejected their king, Jesus. And after many days... King Jesus is going to return and he will turn back the Jews and Israel shall be saved. That's what Romans is all about. And you see a glimpse of that here in Hosea chapter number 3. When we think about Hosea's life and we break that down just a little bit, we think about his marriage. God tells Hosea to go out and marry a prostitute. Now I don't know why in the video there, and just so you know, those videos do a very good job of breaking down the book. I might not agree with every little detail that they say. Like they say we don't know if she was in whoredoms beforehand or not, but the Bible said go get a woman that's in whoredoms. I think that's pretty simple to figure out right there, but not everyone is as intelligent as I am, so they just didn't understand it as well as I do. But God tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute, one who doesn't deserve his love. They have children. After the children, we see betrayal. She leaves him and is estranged for a time. And God tells him to go and bring her back. Now probably my guess would be that it had gotten to the point to where those men that she had serviced, she was of no use to them anymore. Maybe it was she was past that age. I don't know. But she would played the harlot. And you imagine, you think with me tonight, those of you that are married, imagine your spouse leaving you and going and doing what Gomer did to Hosea. And then God comes to Hosea and says, I want you to go and buy her back. Not just let her come back, but you're going to spend money to get her back. It's going to cost you to get her back what would your attitude be right there? We see that Hosea follows what God says. He pursues and he buys her back. Picturing God and his relationship with his children. And just as we would look and we would think to ourselves, well, that's just wrong that a spouse would ever do that to another spouse, and it's wrong, adultery is wrong. 
But that's what the children of Israel did to their God. He took them out of bondage. He set them up as a nation, gave them a land, told them to drive out all the Canaanites, and yet they ended up being just like the Canaanites and worshiping the gods of the Canaanites. And they cheated on God. They committed adultery against God. We think of Israel, and there was a covenant that God made, and Abraham had the blessing of God on him. And, but you see that they broke, Israel broke the covenant. God told Hosea to literally live through the heartbreak that God felt from his children. Israel had betrayed God and cheated on God with other gods and other idols. And it's crazy to me that God would love his people so much. After all the chances he'd given them, all the things he'd done, he still loved them and wanted them back. What a merciful God we serve tonight. Don't ever lose sight of that. In our lives, there are many times where we don't put God in his rightful spot, where we do things that we shouldn't do. And yet he loves us in the midst of it, just like he loved Israel. And God, we look at these things and we look at them and we think of the pain that happens here in Hosea's life. And God did a work. And it's just amazing to me what all Hosea went through in this passage. It also shows me the fact that if God can forgive his people when they've cheated on him, we in our marriage relationships need to do a better job of sticking together. And I'm not, I'm not condemning you, whatever's happened in your past, and but there's a reason why the Bible says that a man's a husband's to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's a reason why the husband-wife relationship should be a certain way. And we see God had the right to put Israel away and to end his covenant with them. But he loved them and kept that covenant with them. As we look at this here, and when you read Hosea, remember this, that our rebellion... Israel's rebellion breaks God's heart. But it doesn't keep him from continually loving us. And even when we might step away as the prodigal and be in sin, his love never stops. But we break his heart when we do those things. Why don't you think with me for the next little bit of time about a few things Two words. I mentioned the theme basically is rebellion and redemption. And so let me just talk a little bit about rebellion for a minute. So I don't know if you have a blank there for rebellion. But the next ten chapters from chapter number four through chapter, the next ten chapters, what we see is they're about prophecies of what would happen to the Israelites because of their spiritual adultery and their immoral living the consequences of their rebellion, what would take place. God promised to punish them. He promised to ignore them, to destroy, to sweep away, to bring shame, to discipline them, to devour, to lay waste, to pour out his wrath like a flood, 
to tear them like a lion, to catch them and to do all these things. And look at what it says. Go to chapter number 4. God would go through all these things and the people wouldn't respond. We see it talks about their spiritual apathy. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Go down to verse number 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. And as they were increased, so they sinned against me, therefore will I change their glory into shame. They shall eat up the sin of my people, and they shall set their heart on their iniquity, and they shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward, their, reward them their doings. And you just read there, and God, God kept trying, God kept reaching out, and it got nowhere. I just, a, just a while back, I was meeting with, with someone trying to help them, and they're having some struggles in their life. And my counseling is different than other people's counseling. And if mine's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And it's just the way I do it. When we get together, I give you Bible principles. Then I have you study those Bible principles, and then I have you come back the following week. And then I see from there, have you learned from that and what are you doing and how are you applying it? And this young man said, asked his parents, are you getting better? No. Then why are you here? I don't know. I'm fine with where I'm at. That's a very dangerous position to be in apathy. And that's one of the things, and as we look at, as we look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, we see the Laodicean church age, tons of apathy. And if I could find a great word for the church today, I think apathy would be the word, apathetic. We can't grow complacent. We can't just live with the status quo. We can't live as Nehemiah in Nehemiah's day, how they just left the walls unbuilt. We've got to do something for God and serve Him today. We see their spiritual apathy. And you could look and you could see through here, uh, chapter number 5 talks about their lack of faith. Instead of trusting God, what did they do? They made alliances with Assyria and with Egypt. And they were going to come back to bite them in the end because Assyria was the one who would take out the northern kingdom. Instead of trusting God, instead of relying on Him to do what they needed, they put their trust in other kingdoms. They're like, God, it, I'm, I, I'll trust them. They were cheating on God. Chapter 4, verse 17, talks about Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. We think of idolatry and all of this here. And what we see is the rebellion of Israel. But then I want you to see for the last few minutes, I want you to see the redemption that God doesn't leave them without hope. And even though he's going to punish them and they're going to be taken captive, God still leaves his people 
with hope. As I mentioned, it's a book of rebellion, but also a book of redemption. You go to chapter number 6, and look at verse number 1 and 2. It says, Come, let us return unto the Lord. He hath, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will rise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Who's that talking about? I think that's referring to Jesus there, don't you think? Go to chapter 13. Verse number 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. What a merciful God. What a great God. Do you, do you realize, and the gist of this book, and there's so much more I could get into tonight about the book of Hosea. Do you realize how much God loves you? Even when we fail Him, He still loves us. His children Israel, He loved them. Even as they failed Him. In the midst of judgment, God still loved them and cared for them. And God's mercy was still strong. God's mercy was ever-present. God's grace was there. And the only hope, you think about it, Gomer, after she left and did what she did, the only hope she had was in a love that she never deserved to have. And the only hope we have is in a love that we never deserved. The book of Hosea, God uses a man to go through great trials in his life and have his wife cheat on him and him go and buy her back. And do you realize sometimes the greatest lessons we learn, some, maybe some of you realize if you listen to the devotionals that I do, a lot of times the stories behind the hymns make those hymns just a little bit more special because the life lived behind it. Hosea lived through these things that God said his children had done to him. And so it's given through the view of a man brokenhearted. A God who's brokenhearted, but who always gives hope. And aren't you glad that God just doesn't write people off? I'm glad. Sometimes we're too quick to write people off. You say, oh, when should you write somebody off? Let God figure that out. I've never been good at trying to figure that out. Let God figure that one out. He knows when it's best to write somebody off. Let him take care of it. But what we see throughout this book, we see rebellion, and we see redemption. And what we see, once again, is just the love of God and how we need his love. And how we should be thankful for his love. And may this passage of Scripture, maybe go through, read the entire chapter and go through there. And just realize how much God loves you. We fail him all the time, and yet he still loves us. And there's nothing that can separate us from his love. What a wonderful God he is. Father, I